to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Father, we just thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the air that we breathe. We thank you for your word, the blood of Jesus, and your Holy Spirit, Lord. And I just ask for ears to be open and our hearts to be open to hear and maybe receive a little something tonight. And we pray all this in your wonderful, glorious name. Amen. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> First, I really want to say thank you to each one of you in this church. Pastor Tom's teachings are so awesome. It's the healthy spiritual food that helps us strengthen and stretch us and grow us into the kingdom citizens that we're called to be with encouraging us to stand on our own two feet, hence the reason why I'm standing up here. However, I've also learned so much from each of you, and I don't have to have long conversations with you or hang out with you or anything like that, but just listening and watching how you overcome with amazing testimonies is truly something that helps me reflect within myself for my own spiritual growth, not to mention how everyone is so beautifully intoxicated with Jesus and fully intent on keeping their lamps full. It's beautiful. It's so inspiring. And um, I've been going to another church um, in Vero lately, and it's much larger than our church. And it's lovely. However, there's something missing in that church. Now, it's not the Holy Spirit or anything, but it's that small family feel that we have here. So please know how special each of you are and how you have a purpose in this church. Each one of you is uniquely designed and every, with a different walk and path that can impact each other. This is the church and the body that we're called to be, and I cherish it and value it. Well, John and Mary spoke to me big time, because with my husband and I reconciling, my schedule has changed dramatically. I now have another person to share my time with. There are extra things around the house to do, and a new social life with my husband's friends that has me uh, doing way more than I've ever done. I've <clears throat> been more active socially than I have ever been in like 10 years with college football games, weddings, and trips, which has all been amazing. However, where do I put my private time with God? I'm more tired, I've been distracted, and then I started feeling a slight distancing. I noticed a shift. I saw that I started reacting quickly without the patience. My mood started to change. The happy joy was not the same. I was happy, but I wasn't Jesus happy. I was, becoming I was becoming dry. I could even tell it was a little harder to battle my flesh. I knew what was missing. It was my private, intimate time with the Lord. And like Mary said, I need to arrange his time around my schedule. Plus, PT asking us to do a Wednesday always forces us to dig in a little more. So... Did you know that the Bible Society did a research and found 87% of American households have a Bible? The average household has four Bibles, but the unfortunate thing is not everybody reads it. Only 11% has read it from beginning to end, and an average of 30% of Americans have read only a few passages and stories. A key discovery from the center of the Bible in 
engagement research shows that someone who engages in the Bible four more times a week looks radically different from those who do not. In fact, it appears that those believers who do not engage in the Bible share the same lifestyle as unbelievers. Those who do engage in the Bible are at least four times or more a week to uh, share, excuse me, four times or four or more times a week are 228% more likely to share their faith. They are 40% more likely to memorize the Bible and 59% less likely to view that nasty stuff on the internet and 30% less likely to struggle with loneliness. Every book of the Bible, every place, name, strange detail work together to describe the God of the universe and his passion for mankind. The whole package hangs together. It's an integrated message system. In its entirely, the collected books of the Bible work together to describe our need for a savior. Together, they prophesy about our savior. Give, the, give us the fulfillment of those prophecies. They promise us a future where he rules and reigns over all the earth. The entire dramatic narrative is told from Genesis to Revelation, the promise in the garden that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent to, just the, to the destruction of the dragon. There's nothing accidental about it. The Bible's 66 books tell one complete amazing story, and it's never boring. Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out of God and profitable teaching for reproof, correction, and tr for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. When you read his word, you are inhaling his word in his breath. This keeps our minds fresh and stoking the fire and desire for more of God. We are to live through his love, his righteousness, and his faithfulness, and his perspective. This can prepare us for life's surprises and challenges. We have heartbreaks, disappointments, and battles, and, there's, and there always will be, but it's how we weather them that counts. Back in 2020, not only did we deal with COVID, but it moved my mother to confess something that had burdened her for 50 years, that my father was not my father. That was not an easy confession for her, I know, because there was alcohol involved that assisted in this confession. But because I know the Holy Spirit, my comforter, my guide, my peace, my best friend, I praised God and I told that tormenting spirit to leave her in the name of Jesus. And I forgave her. I spoke peace into her and I told her I love her and I was not mad because I know the love of my true father in heaven. I am chosen, I am fearfully and wonderfully made by my Father in heaven. And my Father does not make mistakes. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. But please understand, the PBJ, the Paula before Jesus, would have been devastated, crushed, freaked out, mad as fire, and probably never spoke to my mom again. And the enemy would have loved that. And I would have allowed that self-pity spirit to have a field day with me. Believe me, that mental battle was there. I wanted to call her and ask 400 questions the next day when she was a little sober. Um, <laughs> however, <laughs> because the flesh wants you to think that you are owed explanations and answers, but yet the Holy Spirit said no very strongly to leave it alone and do not speak of it again unless she brings it up. 
So there I left it alone, just as I was instructed, and that battle was won, and all the questions I had left me. This is why we need the guidance and to keep the Holy Spirit loud and clear in our daily walk with stoking that fire in his word and having that intimate time with him. Knowing this information gave me closure and healing as to why there was so much rejection and pain as I grew up. My parents divorced when I was seven, and it was one of those ugly, nasty divorces with bitterness and anger, and of course now I know why. I was treated completely different than my sister. It was almost like a Cinderella thing, you could say. I remember imagining that aliens had came and abducted my parents and locked them away somewhere. As a child, I constantly pondered what was wrong with me, why I was an embarrassment, an inconvenience, an unlovable. So you can imagine what had manifested as an adult. The insecurities, the desire to be loved, to be accepted, the anger, the bitterness, pride, arrogance, you name it, it manifested. My earthly father loved me, though. I never doubted this. Even though there were things that were done to me, um, I knew he had his, his struggles with demons and other things. Um, but he had a loving heart. He did the best he could. On December 4th, I had dinner with my daddy's fan side of the family that was down from Indiana. And as we're sitting there eating, I had this incredible unction inside me to reveal that I'm not a blood relative. So I started to speak up, and, I, and my cousin somewhat interrupted me. And she's like, no, no, go ahead. And so I continued to say, um, I'm not actual blood relative. And she says, oh, we know. I was completely floored and flabbergasted. Here I am, 52 years old, 53, and you're going to say, you knew that I wasn't your blood relative? After I've completely analyzed everything, you know, my heritage, where I come from, I completely, I don't know, I had analyzed my German history and all this stuff, you know? And, but everybody knew but me. Um, it was very, very strange. However, she said that my dad was very, very adamant that if anybody ever told me, told me he would kick their fanny. <laughs> and I was his as far as he was concerned. I left that night having incredible peace and relief. God is so amazing that he prepared me to receive and handle this truth and be able to pray for my mother and speak into her life the healing that she needs and the healing that only our Lord Jesus Christ can provide her. I rejoice to know this tidbit of truth. Oh, wait, I forgot to tell you the best part. December 4th was the day my daddy died. And that's when I found out. So praise God. But um, I praise God for strengthening me, renewing my mind to focus on him and not this world. He has a plan and a destiny for me and my mother. And of course, ultimately, I know he has my mom. He's been working on her just the way she needs because he knows her far better than I do. I mean, after all, he did make her. I have seen her start to seek more areas of him. She asks questions, and she's actually listening a little bit more than she used to. I do not fault my mother the way I was raised. <clears throat> I used to be extremely bitter and angry as a child and as a teenager. She came from nothing. She was very, very poor. And she was not raised in Christ and with that beautiful foundation. And even her mother also had challenges where her mother had disappeared and was never found. So I pray I have the power to break any and all generational curses 
in the mighty name of Jesus. And I thank you guys for helping teaching me that and understanding that. And 2022 was absolutely incredible. It was a year of celebration. This, of course, came after 2020, where we had the challenges that were brought by COVID, and it rocked the entire world. Since then, there have been many uh, more crazy things that have occurred and continue to happen that leaves us scratching our heads in amazement and wonder. But I'm not going to address any of those things. But since then, I feel that this shaking has caused many asleep believers to perk up and wake up to become more aggressive in their prayer life, search out more word, more truth, because in 2022, we saw a shift. It was a year of celebration. We had Roe versus Wade overturned. There was a deaf four-year-old that was able to hear for the first time at a Christian revival. In March, it was reported that increasing amount of people returning to Christianity to find light in the darkness. There was even a South African founder of a Satanist church that had an encounter with Jesus Christ during a ritual. And because of that encounter, he gave his life to Jesus. And as we all know, there is a revival going on in Kentucky right now at Ashbury University. Glory to God. He's going to make himself known more and more. This is, there were miraculous healings in 22 as well, such as my sister-in-law's sister. She had underwent extensive testing and biopsies that confirmed that she had thyroid cancer. She has a personal relationship with Jesus. However, she had to dig in deeper, and she did with heartfelt faith and communion. Her family and loved ones also had to dig in a little bit deeper with their faith and relationship with Jesus. On a Monday, she met with the top Mayo surgeon that strictly does thyroid surgeries. He reviewed the scans that plainly showed a tumor and the blood work that revealed positive for cancer. On Tuesday, the next day, she went in for the surgery with a plan of treatment to do a thyroidectomy with also removing the parathyroid. The surgeon did not know what to do when he opened her up. He was baffled because she, what he clearly saw on the scans the day before was nowhere to be found in her thyroid. He took samples and sent it to the pathologist, and the pathologist was even confused because he could not find any cancer either. She was completely healed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And as we all know, the Karis's, also had a miraculous miracle with little cash, proving to the medical team in Orlando that he too was healed by the blood of Jesus, and he is a strong overcomer that will rise up to be mighty warrior for our Lord and Savior. Cassandra even stood up here, and she gave a testimony of having the opportunity to pray for someone who was miraculously healed and stunned, that stunned the, hurt the young lady's physicians. The agency I work for had a very challenging year last year, We all know how fragile the insurance market is here in Florida with the devastation from trial attorneys and roof companies that has financially destroyed 10 carriers with many other carriers leaving the state of Florida. However, my sister-in-law and her sister, who owns the agency, lays the business at the feet of Jesus, and because of this, we had the best year ever. And what a good example, they said, by, you know, giving the the business to to the Lord, and it only prospers when you do that. Now, my personal life miracle, as I previously stated, Jesus healed my marriage. Oh, this journey. Now that I shared with you a brief mini child version of PBJ, Paula Before Jesus, with you, looking back, meeting my husband was all divine. It was a last-minute Christmas party that I was invited to, and it ended in a call that after I'd gone home, gotten in the bed, 
to go on a boat ride yet at one o'clock in the morning. I did, and after that, we began to date. He is a very social individual with lots of friends. Me, not so much. I'm not really a social person. I don't have a lot of friends. I pretty much always have been a loner, and I look back and I can understand why now. Being married to PBJ was certainly, not, was certainly challenging, and I praise God for picking a very patient man. I did not know how to communicate and connect with him, let alone anybody else for that matter. And he is not a big communicator either. No, uh, even body language. <laughs> so it was a very hard struggle to read him. So here you have two people that do not communicate, and one of us was very damaged. I assumed that he knew my thoughts, my needs, my expectations, like he had some kind of crystal ball or mind reader. I began to get aggravated with him, nitpick the little things, then everything. And in my mind, what I saw at that time, he seemed to enjoy his friends more than me. He had no problem connecting with them. Why couldn't he connect with me? What's wrong with me? Besides, I did not know how to love myself or allow myself to be loved. So now the bitterness and anger begin to brew. I was very insecure around my friends, the wives club anyway. I didn't feel I had anything in common, and I felt beneath them, which was all a lie of the enemy. Years later, I began to withdraw from those social gatherings. I started to do my own thing, which is never good to do when you're a married couple. But I needed attention. I needed validation, which I thought was the way to be loved and to fit in. I went looking everywhere else but my marriage because I could not communicate. Then I started to believe the lies inside my mind. The scene of the crime is your mind. Therefore, that is why it's so important to renew our mind daily in the word of God. I started to convince myself that our marriage was worthless, that my husband loves his friends more than me. You name the lie, I had it. Oh, and there's always people that are going to be surrounding you to encourage you to leave and enforce those lies. Well, eventually, my husband moved out, and he moved out all the way next door <laughs> with his parents. I know, it's hysterical. So I had the paperwork for the divorce, but I dropped the ball. I had people tell me to move. You can't live next door to that. And even my husband's best friend's wife is a divorce attorney, and his paperwork was never completed. Well, we all know that that was God's divine plan right there. So, But we didn't know it at the time. So then there was my great fall, where I had to come to end of myself and humble myself at the feet of Jesus so he could pick me up, open my eyes, and heal my heart. Because my husband and his family are right next door, I still did things with them. It was hard at first, but they never stopped including me this whole time. They watched me firsthand with my transformation into the person Christ has called me to be. I started doing the frequent Sunday dinners with them, and my husband and I began to heal our friendship. Then I was given this fabulous book called Pulpit in My Kitchen by Joni Campo. So powerful, and it truly gave me kingdom perspective as a wife. I will be handing my, this book down to my daughter. Then I started watching the Jimmy Evans XO marriage videos so I could heal, learn, and grow, not only as a person, but as a wife in Christ. I came to my husband, excuse me, <clears throat> um, 
I came, I had to go to my husband and I had to apologize for how I treated him and what I had done. He said he had already forgiven me. But I said, no, I, I got to do it to his face and tell him I was sorry for all the things that I had done. But he also admitted that it was not all me either and that he shared a part in our separation. Then a little bit later, the Lord put on my heart that I had to repent for being jealous of his friends. And I had to ask my husband for his forgiveness for being jealous. He had no idea I was even jealous of his friends, but of course, because I didn't communicate. I only got mad. So we went on a group trip to celebrate my daughter's birthday and graduation with his best friend's family. That was wonderful. And after that, he started coming over in the evenings for an hour or two to chat, which led to another trip. But it would be a trip with just us and his friends for the LSU-FSU season opener. And it was a great game. Go Knowles. And, of course, that was it. That was the turning point for us. When we returned, my daughter had gone out of town, so it was a perfect time for him to stay over at the house with just us. And he never went back next door after that. My husband and I have had the best six months ever. I was given multiple dreams that my husband and I would reconcile. I held on to those dreams. And my Lord knows the desires of my heart. But I also had to be patient with bridling my tongue because the old Polygyra, who wanted to control everything and push things along, but the Holy Spirit quickened me to be patient, just be, by trusting and allowing God to do his part. So by resting and trusting in our Father, it worked out the way he intended it to be. Now, if I had been trying to be Polygyra, I would have mucked it all up and probably delayed the whole process. That dream was a vision for me to be steadfast in my faith and prayer and not for me to take over the steering wheel. There is a new intimacy with my husband and I because I have intimacy with Christ. We now have that beautiful triangle where God is at the top and we're at the bottom all connected like the Holy Trinity. I can love an agape love to love without an expected return. I have analyzed my actions since I have been saved, and I will continue to because I'm a constant work. But to be view, but view my actions in, as in Christ, such as, well, this please the Father. Is this with my heart or my flesh? Am I expecting anything in return? But there have been a few moments, I'm going to tell you, in the past six months where the old me will try to pop up and knock at the door to introduce an ugly thought about my husband or relationship. But I hold the option of not opening that door. I choose to glorify the Father in my marriage and not myself. I declare the opposite of the ugly things, that, the ugly thoughts that my marriage will live and not die in Jesus' name. Amen. Since we've been back together, this also means I have to face those friends and wives. Yes, the old me didn't feel comfortable with them. But when we first come to Christ, into Christ in our kingdom identity, the first thing he deals with is on guilt and shame. I had an overwhelming guilt and shame. Now I can look back and I'm actually grateful I had guilt and shame because I was not hard-hearted. Christ was in my heart. Now as I transform into the image of Christ, that guilt and shame has faded. There is one of the wives that had actually told my sister-in-law that I was someone that could not be forgiven. Well, now, what do you do with that now, you know? Um, but hey, I'm a person in Christ. I know what to do. Rather than getting hurt, ashamed, or feel for, fear, fearful of being around her, I know she doesn't understand the power of forgiveness. 
and that we will be forgiven according to how we forgive others. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other sins, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. So I must pray for her and her heart. Pray for the Holy Spirit to work on her heart and allow me to be an example to walk as Jesus and let her see what God can do in our lives. I'm here to represent, to represent Christ and what he has done in my life and in my marriage. God gets all the glory. I have shared my testimony with some. Some it leaves their mouths open, open. some it makes uncomfortable, and some just think I'm nuts. You see, my God has a plan and purpose for me, no matter where I go or who I'm around, whether they like me or not. I am here to represent Christ and his, be his light everywhere I go. Then it's up to the other person to accept or to reject it. If it's rejected, it goes to the Lord. I cannot begin to tell you how refreshing and glorious it is not to have that overwhelming fear of rejection and securities because I know who I am in Christ, and that's all that matters. The Holy Spirit did put upon me to share this real quick also about being a loner. That is obviously a little sensitive area for me. It's an area where self-pity wants to come up and camp out on me. But again, I have the option to open that door, close that door. And believe me, I needed to be the loner because my life could have looked much worse and been much devastating for me if I had a lot of friends. If I was running around with a bunch of friends after worldly things and very concerned about what others think, it could have been a much more destructive outcome for me. I believe that God has protected me from myself by being a loner. Even over the past few years, he's kept me focused on my children and mending my relationship with my husband, to be home for those evening chats and Sunday's dinners. If I had made friends and been super social, then I would have missed out on the healing process. Recently, I saw Luann at the fire conference, and she says, are you here alone? I said, Luann, I'm always alone. Well, what she doesn't know is that the self-pity spirit was just knocking at my door earlier. But the Holy Spirit was like, now you got to speak this out. So I said, I have to go. I have to reach out and step out. And I praise God that I can do that. And I don't have the fear of being alone. Because if I want to grow in Christ, I've got to go to these functions. I've got to go to church. I've got to go do these things by myself. Whether somebody's with me or not, I don't want to be held back being fear of a loner. So, and I realized that after I got home that I had to speak against that garbage. So, so our tragedy will become our triumph. God looks for the broken and the sick to use. When he picks us up, dusts us off, gives us a new name and a new identity, then it becomes all about the Lord's history, his story. We keep our eyes focused forward, running into the arms of the Lamb, never looking back at our history or our shame. We keep our eyes and heart on his story. We behold the Lamb of God, and not just for healing or to get us out of a pickle, but for who he truly is and what he's done for us. The blessing is Jesus. I know there's going to be thing, many things I need, will need to do, and I'll be called to do. And I've often wondered what my calling is, what my gift is. Right now, for me, and really all of us, is to sit under the overwhelming, lavish love of God. To be so overwhelmed in his love to where I cannot resist to embrace him 
and love him back so much that I can go out into the world of gross darkness that does not know what real love looks like, let alone loving our enemies, to love those who persecute you, to go out and show how to love the unlovable and with compassion. This is my call, and it's yours. The one thing in my heart was always been, I didn't want anyone or even an animal to die without being feeling loved because I have felt that lack of love. Well, hello, that's what Jesus is all about. We are human doings, not human beings. And because the Lord God chose me, chose you, he created me, he created you, that means he has secured our destiny in him. We have victory in Jesus. And that does not mean we won't have hurdles, struggles, and that doesn't mean we succeed at everything. But the victory means that Jesus has vanquished sin and death and gave us authority over the evil. He is God who works all things together for his good and his glory, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Not my opinion, not my ways, and not what I think my purpose is. We are conformed to, his, to the image of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, and God will use the, this broken world to do just that. God is all-powerful. He is all-faithful and all-trustworthy. God is so powerful, the enemy cannot have you or me. God will take our traumas and turn them into a triumph. He will take our tragedy and turn it into a miraculous transformation. Our God is all-powerful, so you can trust him. There are things that are going to happen, and there are things that are going to rock our boats, but we have to remember 24-7 that our God is all-powerful, and a newsflash, our feelings will indeed lie to us. I mean, I can believe I'm a unicorn right now, but that doesn't mean it's true. Our feelings and emotions can have ups and downs, in and out, and we can feel as if we're on an emotional roller coaster. But by walking in faith keeps us grounded and settled in spite of our feelings. God is all-powerful and has demonstrated that he can raise the dead. He is faithful and will not let us down. It may look like it. It may feel like it. But he knows the ultimate outcome. So why wouldn't we place our trust in the one who's all-knowing and all-powerful? Let's face it. God is smarter than us. God is way more loving than us. He is more faithful than us. He knows the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the sovereign God, and he is the King of kings and the Lords of lords. He is the truth and the light. He cannot lie. Therefore, we trust in him and look to him first in all areas of our life. Our motto, Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. We must always place our focus on Jesus, his unwavering love, and his trust, and his faithfulness. We begin to worship him for his love, his mercy, and grace. Then our perspective changes as we seek him and his kingdom first. Our precious Lamb of God washes us in his blood, transforming us into an overcomer, washes us as if we jumped into a phone booth and came out with SC on our chest for super Christian, coming out roaring like a lion because every sin and every vile, ugly thing that's ever been done to us or we have done has been washed away. So in 2023, we've got to get our minds off the garbage that is happening in the news and around the world, even ourselves, and get our minds on the one who was slain for us. By staying in his word and having that personal time with him so we can be intoxicated with his love as we walk 
hand in hand, keeping Jesus first in all areas of our life and looking with his eyes and his loving and loving with his mighty love because that is what the world needs right now. And when you do, it can be contagious. And that is the pandemic we need. So I thank you.